So, fun fact about my personal life. Uh, I've kind of started going to bed before the sun goes down. I've been doing this all week, and it's not necessarily on purpose, but I also don't hate it. So, what is another um, old man activity or trope, if you will? Um, what am I going to do next? Um Tabitha, let's start with you this week. Like I said, you already like hand balance your checkbook. And I feel like you already scream at children to get off your lawn. So I'm just going to assume the next time we come over here, you're going to take your teeth out as a joke. <laughs> I don't hand balance my checkbook anymore. I downloaded an app like you suggested. I did this months ago. Oh my gosh, I'm yeah. so proud of you. I told you. <laughs> the apps I suggested? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> and Honestly, when I get home, I close the door and I don't even look outside anymore. So I don't know. There could be kids playing in my yard right now. I really don't know. Um, Matt. Um, well, I'm also, I'm going to say also, since you are working very sporadically now in the restaurant world, that um, you're going to start having dinner at 4 p.m. I mean, I'm still at work at that time. Maybe you're just going to bring your dinner, bring your lunch, and your dinner. Eat at your desk. Living the dream. (laughs) What do you think your new old man activity is going to be? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, my go-to is always like, oh, I bet he, you know, like has Werther's now. But like, you know, that little BB-8 cup that I have in the Mm -hmm. living room? Yeah, it's got Werther's in it. So, I mean... (laughs) I'm going to get you a like a sweater vest for your birthday this year. I I can get behind that. Yeah, embrace the vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my birthday's already passed, though. Next year. Okay. Or Christmas. Oh, yeah. I mean, I will say that mine's pretty comfy. Matt loves a good old man sweater. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch. Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Ticket. All right, so the first thing that I want to bring up tonight, uh, we haven't really talked about it a whole bunch, uh, but this year has kind of, like, just in general snuck up on us. Like, we're almost in July. Like, the year is half over. Like, mm-hmm. what the actual hell? Again, hey, old man, right here. <laughs> I'm going to start talking about the weather next. <laughs> um, did you just shame me? No, I was trying to fix my bell. Okay. Also. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't know the beast from Beauty and the Beast was on tonight's episode. <laughs> also, um, I'm getting over, like, this cold, which, like, this is weird because, like, earlier this week, I was basically back to normal, <laughs> except just, like, I had the TMI. But, like, I had just, like, some excess, you know, snot. Like, I was <laughs> I was having some real good blow-your-nose experiences. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so today, like, I noticed, like, my voice <laughs> keeps, like, coming and going. So... This is the episode where bitch hits puberty. <laughs> but but anyway, so uh, Fan Expo Chicago is just right around the corner. Uh, this year is going to mark the 50th anniversary of Chicago's oldest fan convention. Uh, it's going to be held July 7th through the 10th at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center in Rosemont. Fun fact, this will also mark the fourth anniversary of the time we shared an elevator with David Krumholtz, and Pickett <laughs> didn't believe me until we drove, went by his booth the next day. <laughs> no, I'm not still bitter. I'm not still bitter at all. No. <laughs> Sounds like it. So, uh, the con has gone through some name changes over the year. Uh, last year was its last as Wizard World. But one thing that has not changed is the con's commitment to hosting a gloriously geeky weekend. Uh, among the guests this year, uh, Elijah Wood, Son Aston, uh, Billy Boyd, Dominic Monaghan, Ron Perlman, Ming-Na Wen, uh, Brent Spiner, Jonathan Frakes, John Delancey, Gates McFadden. Like, I would try to cut it down, but I was like, Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, how can you... Uh, <sighs> so many options. I know. But um, 
Also, uh, there are a lot of big comic book guests, uh, including Brian Michael Bendis, Jeff Johns, uh, Joe Casada, and Greg Capullo. Tickets are on sale now at fanexpohq.com slash fanexpochicago. Um, not Seth and I will be there for m- most of the weekend. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we got we got press passes. We'll be up there. We'll be talking to some people. It's going to be a good time. Nice. Can't wait. I kind of want to get a time machine and go back to like that first one 50 years ago just to see like what it would be like it would be interesting everyone mm-hmm. would be dead <laughs> well most everyone yeah a lot of people wow you are uh you're just a bundle of joy tonight Tabitha. i am always a bucket of sunshine <laughs> <laughs> valid valid <laughs> Let's go to the poll list. We've got a few books to talk about this week. Uh, the first one is a special edition of uh, Taproot, a story about a gardener and a ghost. Uh, like I said, this special edition is out tw- uh, June 29th from Oni Press by uh, Kesey Young. So Blue is a ghost who befriends Hamal, uh, a gardener who can talk to dead people. The two become close, but is Blue ready to do what he needs to do uh, to save the love of his afterlife? Uh, this special edition features a new cover as well as other bonus material. Uh, Tabitha, what do you think about this? I loved this. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I want more. I want it a thousand times over. This was so great. I mistakenly read this at work while I was on my lunch hour today. Did and you cry? I, oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> 100%. Like, sort of kind of spoilers, but when you think the end is happening, but it's not actually the end, like... It was like this beautiful moment like done in the art and I'm just like weeping. And then it's like, just kidding. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I had like roller coaster of emotions. Like the art was beautiful. The side characters were great. I just, I just want more. Like I want another story and set in this world or I want a background or I want a prequel or I just want like a day in the life of these people. Like anything, give it to me. Um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this story. Um, had a lot of heart. I liked, I liked that we got a, like, kind of a background of Hamal's, like, necromancer powers. Uh, granted, like, I don't know. I I think for me, it has, he has, he's a bit of a different necromancer than, you know, like a lot Mm -hmm. of others that I've seen. Um, but anyway, um, I'm glad that this book tells a whole story and it, it doesn't end on a cliffhanger. But that said, I would have loved more about of just about every character in this book, like including like Blue's ghost friends. Mm-hmm. Like we just got like a little sample of them. Uh, but that said, I like the art style um, and kind of like what you said, Tabitha. There are some truly just beautiful moments in this book. Uh, Taproot won multiple awards back in 2017, and it, it's easy to see why. So, Matt, what'd you think? Um, I don't know what I have to add to this because it was, it was fantastic. There were some of those pages where the art was just absolutely glorious. Like it just pulls you in. Like I did, I spent mint, like I spent multiple moments stopping and looking at some of those pages that were literally just scenery, um, because it was just so beautifully done. Um, and I know we said that this has got extra content, um, and that may be the only thing for me that pulls this from being like absolutely amazing is that like I got through the end of that story with the necromancer and Hamal and blue and I was ready for it to be over at that point because we'd been on a complete journey. And then we got kind of like this episodic situation after that. And I either wanted more of that or that to not have been a part of the book because then I'm like, now I just want more of those episodic adventures that they had at the end, which isn't really a bad thing, but it just like, I had, I had the full arc and then we got like a, like a edition at the end of it. So I don't know. I, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying like either more episodes or, you know, leave the arc the where it had been without that extra, but either way, Still loved it, enjoyed it. It was great from beginning to end. Up next, uh, 
also out June 29th, uh, this time from Vault, is Mindset Number 1. It's written by Zach Kaplan with art by John J. Pearson. Uh, so Ben accidentally discovers how to control minds. He and his friends, all recent Stanford grads, uh, use this to create an app to help users break from their addiction to technology. There's no way this ends badly, right? <laughs> right? Um, this was another one with... Um, the, now, the art style in this is very different from the art style in Taproot, but this was another book that had just... I, I was in awe of the art in this. Like, uh, I'm not sure if watercolor is the correct term, but it's it, it's mm. in the same vein as kind of like watercolor. Um, there's also there's a scene with like a city skyline in the background under a starry sky, and like that was just breathtaking to me. Like I sat and looked at that for like a minute. <laughs> uh, Story wise, I felt this is a good, really good first issue. It does kind of drop you in the middle. Um, at the very beginning to kind of let you know what you're getting yourself into, but then it backtracks and really sets the story in motion. Um, it also dives pretty deep into Ben's background, gives you a sense of where he comes from. Uh, with a whole story about mind control, I am certain that there's going to be a lot of twists and turns everywhere, and I'm kind of here for it. Um, Matt, what'd you think? Yeah, I pretty much have to agree with you on that. Um, the art's great. Um, it did start out a little... I don't know, choppy, I guess, but then it does backtrack. So it kind of fills you in and catches you up and gives you the rest of the scene. So it's kind of almost using that, that chunky beginning as like a hook, like to, <laughs> I do not like that. <laughs> no. Chunky, chunky beginning. beginning. And that is the name of tonight's episode. <laughs> but then is it still about you going through puberty? Cause now I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying about mindset man? Oh, <laughs> uh, got twisted all around. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um yeah, this is I think overall this is going to be fantastic with a lot of twists and turns. Um it's also fairly poignant for right now with like AI and apps and all of that. So it's, it's very in the present. Um, so we'll see what kind of stuff like from today's society, I think that it pulls into the story. So Tabitha, what about you? So the art, if it had all been done, like the backgrounds mm. and the settings were, I think I would have really liked the art, but the people looked eerily photographic and it was unsettling <laughs> some of those panels where it was kind of like zoomed in on the faces and then the background is that beautiful watercolor like it was i know why they did it it was it was very much so like a choice based on what was happening in the story but it gave me the heebs <laughs> uh like if i had been reading that in the dark i probably would have had to put it down like it was just <laughs> it was kind of uncomfy for me and we all know like I hate being dropped off in the middle of the story. However, if you're going to drop me off in the middle of the story, the chunky beginning <laughs> is, is the way to do it. Because that whole, like, giving me little glimpses and then flashing me back multiple times in a physical book would bug the crap out of me. But in this comic, it actually, it flowed very well. I liked learning more about Ben's background and Ben's life and the way that they did that with the photographs was super cool and I just I don't know that I care enough about the story to continue reading it but like if one of you wants to update me on what happens like and you keep reading it I wouldn't mind <laughs> so two quick takeaways um, first Tabitha likes a chunky beginning um, <laughs> that checks out <laughs> second um, <laughs> mindset uh, for you is like one of those people that like you were friends with in high school after high school you fell out but um one of your other friends that you still remain close with uh that person is still friends with that other person and like whenever you meet up with your friend you always ask about that person right yeah but like also if maybe i don't care enough to be facebook friends with them <laughs> <laughs> Do you at least follow each other on Instagram? 
Ooh, I'm pretty selective with my Instagram, so <laughs> props not. Props not. But if they don't have a private page, I might go look at it every once in a while. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I, I feel like Mindset would not have a private page. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the last book that we're going to talk about uh, is out now from Z2. It is the last comic book on the left, volume one. Uh, so this anthology is inspired and edited by uh, the guys behind the last podcast, last podcast on the left, <laughs> and pays homage to classic horror comics in the style of Tales from the Crypt and the Vault of Horror. Uh, joining Marcus Parks, Henry Zabrowski, and Ben Kissel are some horror comic heavy hitters, including James Tinney and the Fourth. Elliot Rahal, Tyler Boss, and Lucas Kettner. Uh, we were talking off air. Uh, Matt and I both read uh, at least a good chunk of this. Um, not, th- not a chunky beginning. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a chunky beginning. Yeah, you're right. Um, and we both agree that uh, this comic, this anthology probably would have meant more to us if we have listened to the last podcast on the left, which neither one of us had. Uh, so take this review with that grain of salt. Uh, but Matt, what did you think? Um, it was definitely interesting. I liked the anthology style that was going on. Um, you got a lot of fun, like one little, like little one page, like almost like, commercials almost if you will um in between some of the larger stories um the art was was fun because it did it different it was different for each of the different little stories so it was easy to tell when you switched from one story to the other um i like mitch said though i think my biggest thing is that having not listened to the podcast um i just the for even the first 10 pages i feel like there were inside jokes that were lost because we haven't listened to that podcast. So if you're a fan of it, I could imagine that you're going to read these first 10 pages and you're just going to like roll over laughing um, because it just seemed like those kind of jokes, that kind of inside humor. Um, but I just wasn't familiar with it. So I miss those. Um, so it, I did. I don't feel like I got the whole experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, and missed jokes aside, which yes, I'm sure that I missed a lot of references and everything. That first, um, that first chunk that you know start these guys, um, I did think it was kind of funny, you mm-hmm. know, like, and even kind of like showing, and obviously not a real behind the scenes look, but kind of like showing like a behind the scenes look of the last podcast on the left. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, I am gonna differ slightly though. The one page like commercials yeah kind of what you were saying like that didn't really do it for me okay um i'll be honest like a lot of times like i'd be done with that page and this was like at the the, the first few when like i i didn't know yet that this is hey this is what oh. you're doing mm. uh but still like i f- flip to the next page i'm like oh whoa, what just happened <laughs> um and and i can't appreciate you know, kind of like a palate cleanser like that between stories and an anthology. Uh, but at the same time, it's like you didn't give me a chance to care about what's going on here. That's right. Um, the longer stories, I did enjoy. Um, there's one in particular about this kid who, you know, is obsessed with serial killers and he thinks that, you know, he might be related to this serial killer. And I was like, I really enjoyed that mm-hmm. story and I really enjoyed the end, even though it was like one of those things. It's like I I, I called the ending about <laughs> two pages, you know, ahead of time. But you know what? There are some times where that's OK. And like, you know, like, do I always want to be surprised? No. Sometimes I want to be like, hey, I was right. I knew what was going on. You know, um, I knew who the killer was. Right. Um, but yeah. So like I enjoyed that one. Um there's one with like this uh, detective who's a bag of popcorn. Like I loved the art in that. The story was weird AF. <laughs> <laughs> so bizarre. But uh, but yeah. But like overall, like what you said, Matt. Like I I feel like if you are a fan of the last podcast on the left, you might appreciate this book more than I would. Uh, did I enjoy the part that I read? Yes. Uh, am I gonna go back after record tonight and finish? Probably not. 
So, um, we have just a couple movies for trailer takedown this week, and they both came from Tabitha. Which Tabitha, you even kind of mentioned you don't think you've submitted any trailers for trailer takedown like ever. Um, and here you are with two of them. So I'm gonna have you start this week. Um, yeah, I truly do not think I have ever submitted trailers, and then I was like, oh, actually, I have two this week. So, they're both coming to Netflix. Uh, The first one is Persuasion, based on the Jane Austen novel. Um, This one is about Anne Elliot and Frederick Wentworth, for those unfamiliar with the story. The trailer has come across some um, criticism from the book community, because while the storyline and the plot are fairly similar to the book and loyal to the subject material, they have essentially bastardized some of the like best quotes to make them more like quote unquote modern and more, you know, punchy. Yeah, with the times. Okay. And there's also been some rage over the casting for this and i didn't even know this was happening until the trailer came out so i i missed the whole thing until we have the trailer um i do not have a horse in the race because persuasion is one of my least favorite jane austen novels which is weird because it's one of her funny ones um however um based on the fact that i have read this i do have some issues with the casting I do also have some issues just in general with this trailer, the way that it's portrayed. And if you're going to stick to most of the, like, the, the, the correct pronunciation and the correct language of things, but then every once in a while throw in a word that, like, was not utilized during the time period in which the movie is set, uh, you're, it doesn't make sense. Like, it almost feels too broken apart. So I did not enjoy like I thought I would. Um, And then the other trailer that I have is Blonde, which is also based on a book. Um, This one is about Marilyn Monroe. It's actually based on the Joyce Carol Oates book that is about Marilyn Monroe's life. And this trailer alone um, has me very excited. This um, was not at all what I was expecting when I pulled up the trailer, I did know this was happening, but I didn't have any details. Um, I was a little nervous about some of the casting, like Adrian Brody as Arthur Miller. Didn't know that was happening. And <laughs> Anna Armas, however, surprised me with her Marilyn Monroe representation. Um, I did not anticipate to feel the things I felt watching her exhibit Marilyn's very clear mental illness, um, which Joyce Carol Oates in the book Blonde does point out and does give voice to. So that was really good to see. So I'm going to give Blonde seven points. And I'm going to give Persuasion three points. Okay, so with Blonde... um... I mean, by now, we all know, like, Marilyn Monroe's life was not fantastic. Um, Or at least her personal life was not fantastic. And watching this trailer, like, the entire time, like, it it was weird because, like, the trailer starts off black and white. And I'm like... I almost hope that this entire movie's in black and white. Mm-hmm. Then they switch to color, and I'm like, man. But then I'm like, actually, this is really cool. But it, but it kind of keeps going back and forth. Um, but I just, I don't know that I'm ready for, like, this is going to be a sad movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I'm <clears throat> ready for that, you know. Um, I did, like, kind of get pulled out towards the end and, like, kind of was thinking about how like Marilyn Monroe would have been treated if she were young and famous today, you know, Um, you know, would she be like treated like, you know, your Lindsay Lohan or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, But then you got persuasion, which, you know, not knowing the drama backstory that you were saying, or even like some of the, you know, like newfangled words, you know, that they use in there, like, I I I I'm surprised that you know Bussy showed up in there. <laughs> but, but 
<laughs> all that said, like <sighs> I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. I didn't pick up on you know, like oh hey, you know that word wasn't used back then or wasn't used that way back then. You know, whatever. Um, pussy was not used in the trailer. Just full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so like I don't know. I just I felt like this was this was a fun trailer. Am I going to watch this movie? Probably not. But I was like, okay, like, and like, you know, kind of had, you know, some whimsical music. And I'm like, I, you know, I'm kind of here for this. I'm kind of here for this. So I gave Persuasion six points and Blonde four. Uh, Matt. Um, so I honestly did not know that Blonde was based on a Joyce Carol Oates book, um, which that information alone makes me more interested in that just because I have read not a lot, but I've read some Joyce Carol Oates. So I am intrigued to see how that is represented in the book or in the movie. Um, like as we both, as you guys both talked about, like it's now much more apparent, much clearer that Marilyn's life was not all, roses that there were mental health issues there were all sorts of things going on behind the scenes and knowing that the very end of that trailer where she's sitting looking in the mirror and she laughs that's Marilyn's laugh like she nails that which congrats to her on that because that was fantastic but it was almost frightening because you realize how fake that was and that moment alone, regardless of anything else in the trailer, pulls me in and makes me want to see the rest of the backstory, the rest of the understanding, the rest of the delving into her character and her life. Um, persuasion, if you know anything about me, I loathed the fact that I had to ra- read Jane Austen in high school and college absolutely despised every moment of every Jane Austen I ever read. And I was an English major, so I had to read a lot. Um, That said, this trailer, it looks kind of fun. It looks like it's trying to pull on the um, Pride and Prejudice vibes, like that feel um, from the Kira Knightley version. Um, What? How dare you compare the two? <laughs> I, I'm scared for you, Matt. I'm scared, oh. and I don't really even know what I did. How dare um, you? But stylistically, it looks like it's trying to kind of feel like that. Um, on the other hand, having watched some of the movies in recent years, um, I have become more attuned to Jane Austen's sense of humor and her quippiness that she does present through these characters and her social commentary, which earlier in my life, right over my head, didn't get it when I was reading the books. Um, But the last interpretation of a Jane Austen book that came out was Emma, which was quippy and funny and light and sarcastic. And it's going to be really hard just in the pantheon of Jane Austen movies to follow that and i don't feel like this is going to live up to previous interpretations um so that said i'm going to give eight points to blonde and two points to persuasion all right so with a score of 19 to 11 blonde we blonde wins this week's trailer (laughs) takedown (laughs) hey guys let's do a podcast tonight it'll be a great idea (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's time for some gut reaction. Oof, gut reaction. And we're going to start off tonight. Matt, you have two different Blizzard stories. Uh, We're going to talk about both. First one, I want to talk about um, the whole Blizzard harassment fiasco. Mm. Yeah, it is definitely a fiasco. So a few months back when the story broke, I sat here and I gave everybody a breakdown of what was happening and the allegations that were made and things like that. Um, there is still a lawsuit. There is still a California department of human services investigation going on, 
But Activision had their own internal investigation or internal discussion about what happened. Um, and shock of all shocks, they found, quote unquote, no evidence that executives ignored or dismissed reported cases of harassment. Um, it was conducted by the board with external advisors. That's clearly noted in the article that it wasn't just an internal review. They had external sources come in and look at things as well, which I don't know if that really makes a difference because basically they found that the board did not intentionally ignore or attempt to downplay instances of harassment. Here's the key that were reported. So they didn't look at the culture. They didn't look at the scenario. They didn't look at everything else that was going on. They only investigated internally the cases that had been reported to them. Um, as such, they also found that the criticism of the board and the executives that said they were insensitive to workplace matters, um, was without merit. So, um, and again, they emphasize the fact that this was in reference to, um, instances, instances of harassment that were occurred as reported. Um, so, it was kind of big news that they that this internal investigation broke, but I think it's a whole bunch of garbage because they're just trying to save their own hides at this point. Um, they did mention in the article that um, Activision has settled with the EEOC for a total of $18 million outside of everything else with all of the other claims. So um, I'm just going to give Activision a thumbs down. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you knew as an internal investigation they weren't going to find any fault with themselves. Why would they? Yeah, I I agree. Like, thumbs down. Yeah, of course. It's an internal investigation. Yeah, like, yeah, we we didn't see. We, we saw nothing. We saw nothing. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Like, how many things did they know about that weren't officially reported? But were common knowledge. Exactly. Like, and, and and I'm sorry, you said this is like the board of directors? Yeah, the board okay. of directors and executives. Okay. So this is me like hardcore playing devil's advocate here. But like, you know, the board of directors, do they know everything that goes on in the headquarters? No. Nope. So is it possible that they didn't know that stuff was going on? Sure, it's possible. But is it likely? No. Yeah. No. So, yeah, thumbs down, Tabitha. Yeah, I agree. Thumbs down. Anytime I hear that in a company investigated itself, whether they brought in <laughs> external sources or not, even if you paid exorbitant fines and fees and things like that, like you said, they're just trying to save their own hides. They're just yep. trying to recoup whatever they've lost in a way that looks to the public who, you know, just read the headline kind of people that they did their due diligence and it just truly does not sound like they did. No, but I agree with Mitch board of directors probably didn't know, but that doesn't mean that the company itself and the people within the company that were not the board of directors were not aware of the situation. Yeah. So thumbs down. Matt, you also have something about Diablo immortal. Do so again, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Diablo immortal released, um, and one of those Twitch users spent something like $10,000 or whatever to get legendary items. Um, it has been released for about three weeks. Um, and, you know, uh, Blizzard is part of Activision. Um, they paid out $18 million to the EEOC, but they made $24 million from consumer spending for Diablo Immortal. So there's $6 million in the, pl- in the, gr- in the green? Red? Red. Red. Whatever. <laughs> I, one of those colors. That's not. That's not a bad color. I don't know. Um, black. No. Is it like red or black? Is it that what it's called? Like if you're in yes. the black or the red? Yes. Yeah. And being in the, in the black. Is- yeah, being in the black is good. Yeah. Being in the red is negative. Correct. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Woo. Uh, that said, if you want to break down the 24 million that consumers spent on Diablo Immortal in the first three weeks, um, Apple users spent 13 million. Android users spent 11 million. of that 24 million came from the U.S. alone. 23% came from South Korea. 
Um, Japan accounts for 8%, Germany 6 and Canada 3%. USA. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. For being touted as a free-to-play, the fact that you have racked up $24 million in consumer spending, I... <sighs> I have been a Blizzard gamer from the beginning, and so many of these sexual harassment, Activision, free-to-play, but microtransaction things have just soured me so poorly that this is just a big thumbs down. Yeah. Um, I don't know if... I mean, this is getting a thumbs down, but I don't know if it's giving a thumbs down just because of you know the, this particular story because of something that we had talked about in the past, mm. and you're like, oh, hey, yeah. This is a free game, but we made $24 million making it rain. <laughs> or if I'm giving it a thumbs down because I'm still mad about the last story. It's, it's that, honestly it's probably a little bit of both. That's fair. Tabitha. Yeah, I'm going to give this a thumbs down. However, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be Mitch for just like a hot second. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to devil's advocate here. Yeah. It's the people's fault. It's the consumer's fault. No one's yeah. making you nope. use those microtransactions. Nope. Your addiction to feeling like you did something good <laughs> is making you pay those microtransactions and it does not shock me that the usa is leading in that maybe the people who spent 24 million dollars on microtransactions should read mindset out next week from vault comics <laughs> as, a, uh, as a side note i've downloaded that game three weeks ago when it when it came out and i still haven't played it i still haven't even loaded the game <laughs> <laughs> so just saying watch Watch his... You know, Watch the bank account? Yeah. It won't be me. No. Mm-mm. He knows better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Not wrong. <laughs> so this story is... It's probably getting on about a month old. Um, and I meant to talk about it two weeks ago, and I forgot. And then we didn't have a show last week. Um, but I still really, really, really want to talk about this. And... <laughs> Y'all, I, I almost feel bad for this one. So, Morbius <laughs> seemingly died a quiet death at the box office until until it started going viral. Uh, sp- specifically with the it's Morbin time meme, which <laughs> I, which like at first I was like, okay, people are just being silly. And then I saw a video clip and I'm like, what? Anyway. Um, Sony then thought that people were suddenly invested in the movie, so they decided to re-release the film in more than 1,000 theaters. The film grossed $310,655 from the re-release, which is an average of $299 per theater. (laughs) That's like five people. Yeah, yeah. Sony, Morbius, I get it. You thought that everyone was laughing with you and that <laughs> now you're, you suddenly had friends, you know, and you decided to put yourself back out there only to find out that they were laughing at you. If you weren't such a trash movie, Jared Leto's abs notwithstanding, um, <laughs> I'd almost feel sorry for you, but still, everything about this, thumbs down. Tabitha. I'm giving it a thumbs up. You want to know why? Because I love it when capitalism turns on people. (laughs) It brings me joy and happiness. That makes me feel like a bucket full of sunshine. Matt. (laughs) I see both perspectives here and I am honestly torn. Because yes, I love the fact that Sony thought that they had a good thing and like, hey, we can make more money off of this. And it bombed hard. And then I also think, Sony, you're stupid. It sucked the first time. Why would it be any better the second time? So I can't decide. So I am going to go thumb sideways. <laughs> it's it's the rare, you know, each one is represented. <laughs> Tabitha, uh, let's talk about a museum in Dallas. Oh, my gosh. So I know sometimes my nerdy things are very off kilter for our group, but this made me super angry and I wanted to talk to you guys about it. So a man around uh, 10 p.m. a couple weeks ago 
broke into the Dallas Museum of Art, smashed up a bunch of ancient Greek artifacts, uh, about $5 million in damage. Want to know why? He's mad at his girlfriend. So he just broke in. He was mad at his girl, and I quote, 21-year-old Brian Hernandez broke in because he was mad at his girl. She has nothing to do with the museum, before you ask. Um, (laughs) She has literally nothing to do with the museum. Uh, He damaged a Greek bull from the 6th century BCE, um, featuring vignettes of Heracles, a cylindrical container with a lid from the 5th century, a container... Uh, by a contemporary Native American artist. Just mad at his girlfriend. Broke into a museum. Smashed up a bunch of stuff. Um, it is apparently completely unrelated to the actual reason he was angry. Which was because of something his girlfriend did. And I'm going to read you the quote from the museum director. There was no intention, from what we can see, of stealing anything or damaging any work of art in a deliberate way. It was just someone who was going through a moment of anger and found this as a way to express it. My dude, I get mad all the time. You know what you do? Go find an abandoned-ass building, you pick up a rock, and you throw the rock at the abandoned-ass building. And you feel better. Maybe you scream. Maybe you break a plate. Maybe you go to Goodwill. You buy a plate for a dollar. You take it to the wood. You smash it. You get in your car. You drive home. You know what you don't do? (laughs) Five million worth dollars worth of damage to ancient artifacts in a museum. Why? Why? There's no why. I hate that there's no why. Thumbs down to this human, but I also want to talk to him and be like, okay. Why? Why? Like, of <laughs> all the things and all the places you could have done, why this? Where's your logic? I don't like things that aren't logical. This doesn't make sense to me. Thumbs down. Matt. I hope somebody gets mad at some unknown driver on the highway and decides to break into his house and smash his PS5. That's fair, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the equivalent of what he did, what this other guy did. But I just, it doesn't make any sense. It just does not make any sense. Um, just thumbs down to all of this. Do we know why he was mad at his girlfriend? No. We don't know anything. That's the problem. That's yeah. my beef. I don't know anything. I mean, do we at least know, like, is she a history buff? I don't know, but that's not the way to make her get her back. <laughs> so like, at least, like, if she's... Uh, no, don't get me wrong. This is getting a thumbs down, like, all the way. And I'm not excusing it. But, it, again, kind of like what you're saying. Like, if I could understand why, then, then I can rationalize a little bit. And... If she's a history buff, I I could see that he's like, oh, I'm gonna make her real. She made me mad. I'm gonna make her real mad. I'm gonna make her real mad. <laughs> this is this is how the Library of Alexandria burned down. <laughs> Somebody was mad at the girlfriend. Yes, <laughs> she burned my dinner. <laughs> she burned my dinner. I'll burn her books. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever burn Matt's dinner. Oh my God, there's so many books. Matt would never burn a book. I would never. He would cry. <laughs> There's maybe a few. And I've only ever in my entire life burnt one dinner. (laughs) It was not your fault either. It was not my fault. It was that stupid oven. (laughs) (laughs) But before we uncover like other other dark secrets and other burnt dinners, Matt, let's talk about (laughs) Overwatch 2. Um, So basically this is something that happened last week, but since we did not have a show... But, like, we should still talk about it. Um, yes, I guess I'm technically still on the Blizzard kick. Um, Overwatch 2 had a reveal trailer um, giving out some information that, essentially, so far, that Blizzard had kept under wraps. Um, the biggest thing is that Overwatch 2 PvP is going to be free-to-play as of October 4th. Free-to-play. Yes, there is going to be a season pass that you can purchase, um, but they are also doing away with the loot boxes that have been so popular in the first game. So instead of buying a loot box and getting random items in the loot box, you will buy the season pass and you will get access to certain things at that point. Um, so 
which they got rid of the loot box thing because there is some litigation in foreign countries about loot boxes essentially being gambling. Um, which yeah, I could see some, I, I could see some standing behind that. But regardless, um, as of October fourth, Overwatch two arrives. It's free to play, um, PvP. Um, they are going to release updates in October, one in December. Um, they're going to have maps and characters available. The PVE storyline content is coming next year. And there's no word at this point if that will be something that you'll have to pay for. Um, but the biggest news here is that it's free to play live October 4th. There is going to be a new character, Junker Queen, available on day one. Um, and I guess kind of as a cool note for gamers is that your progression in Overwatch 2 is cross-platform. So if you play on Switch or you play on Xbox, you play on PC, you play on PlayStation, whichever platform you play on, your progression will stay with your account instead of per console. So if you play in PlayStation at home, but you take your Switch somewhere, you're still going to level up if you go somewhere with your Switch. So that's kind of a, I don't know, a, a perk. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens as it actually goes live October 4th. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, the free-to-play was kind of the big news. Um, and it seems to have been fairly well received. Um, the other note on that is that once Overwatch 2 goes live on October 4th, Overwatch, the original, will essentially just not exist because 2 is free-to-play. So, um, I don't know. Regardless of Blizzard and Activision and all that other shenanigans, as far as reveals for content, I'm going to give this a thumbs up. So, Overwatch is a Blizzard property. Uh, I'm still going thumbs down. However, did you say Junker Queen? Yes. Okay. So, in my mind, <laughs> this character is like the ruler of any flea market, you know, like antique mall, whatever. Uh, it's really nice that Overwatch 2 made a character based on my grandmother, R.I.P. <laughs> um, Tabitha. Uh, we have very different views of what Junker Queen is going to be. Because, <laughs> See, I think initially we were on the same page, yep. but then I went a different route. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't care either way about any of this at all. Uh, the only words that I truly heard in what you were saying were Junker Queen. And mostly I only heard them because I heard me and Mitch's brain go, what? <laughs> at the same time. And while Mitch's uh, version of Junker Queen is his grandmama, my version of Junker Queen is like a giant rat wearing like a Harley Quinn costume. And I don't know why, but that's what I'm picturing. And now I want to see what it's actually going to look like, but also not really because I don't care that much. So I, mean, I guess thumbs sideways, but thumbs down for Blizzard. Yeah. Thumbs up for my version of Junker Queen because she sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> Can we cosplay that? Are you going to be your grandma and I'm going to be the rat? I, I was just talking about the rat. Like oh. me cosplaying as my grandmother, that is like some... That's um, a woman made shit. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> they <laughs> shouldn't do that. <laughs> I don't really want to cosplay as a rat, though, because that would make me have to be like part furry, and we all know I'm not really into that. I volunteer as tribute. I do not like that either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I dressed up as Chuck E. Cheese for six and a half years. It's not that different. Oh my god, Chuck E. Cheese just wearing a Harley Quinn. <laughs> Charlie Quinn? <laughs> oh my god, do it. But don't do it around me. <laughs> do it over there. Right away, the, away, away from, from me. me. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Anyway, so... <laughs> A rumor is circulating that Disney and Star Wars are developing a Disney Plus series based on uh, video game Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order protagonist Cal Kestis. I am now realizing I wrote that sentence very oddly. Yeah. <laughs> if I could go back in time. Anyway. Um, 
please don't violate any copyright laws. That's why I wasn't on my microphone. <laughs> uh, the game was launched in 2019, and Cal has become a fan favorite character. Uh, Cameron Monaghan, according to this rumor, uh, who voices the character in the game, is also said to have signed on for the television series. Um, I'm giving this a thumbs up. Uh, I, I I love this guy. Uh, you know, he's he's a really he's a really good actor and. You know, I, I know that everybody really loves this character in this game. And, you know, it's not just like one of those things where it's like, oh, he just voices this character. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like they model the character after him and everything mm-hmm. like that. So, like, you you can't do this series without having him as part of it. So, if he signed on and everything like that, if this is really true, then that's going to be kind of cool. Thumbs up. Tap them. Yeah, I don't know anything about this character, but I do know something about the actor. And I've never seen him do anything poorly. So, and every Star Wars show iteration has been great thus far, so I can't imagine that this would be any different. So, thumbs up. Matt. Yeah, I, while I have not played this game, I am fairly familiar with the character, and he is one of those characters in Star Wars lore, in Star Wars canon, that was introduced in a video game, and people immediately, fans begged for more of the character and that character's story. Um Ahsoka is one of those characters as well. Like she showed up in Rebels and everybody's like, I need more of her. Um, Cal Kestis is like that. Um, so the fact that he's getting a series all for it, the fact that he's on board as far as the actor, even better. And yeah, I agree with Tabitha. So far, everything that they have done, Star Wars um, for the TV series has been great. So I can only think that this is going to be a good thing. So thumbs up. Tabitha, let's yeah. talk about your best friend Murph. I don't want to. <laughs> you brought this up. I know because I felt like we had to, and I, I don't know. Okay, so when I first came across this, all I saw was the photo, and I literally <laughs> jumped when I saw it. So Nerf has introduced its first ever mascot. Like Mitch said, his name is, or their name, sorry, their name is Murph, a faceless but human-shaped cluster of Nerf darts. I feel that. But Same. I don't know what that means. Um, Murph weighs in at 10,000 Nerf darts and stands six Nerf blasters tall. I don't know how tall that is, but it's too tall. Um, essentially, it's a suit made of darts. Uh, Murph does use they, them pro- pronouns, and they are a mascot that represents the playful spirit that lives inside us all and is unleashed through Nerf. Um I hope this doesn't live inside of me because it gives me nightmares. <laughs> uh, it To a lot of people, it looks fun. And it looks like a great uh, a great mascot. <laughs> Good old Murph. But I, I, can't, I can't look at them for long periods of time because it freaks me out. There's a video of it, of them walking. I haven't seen that. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> I, I I mistakenly watched it once, and I don't I don't no uh, just no just no just thumbs I mean I, I good for them using a non-binary uh, mascot cool great don't <laughs> love it it's like furries but worse this is worse than furries for <laughs> me thumbs thumbs down it's a nerfy Matt <laughs> I hate you i hate you i hate you <laughs> did i tell you that i hate you a lot no i do <laughs> um yeah i i'm on the opposite side of this i think this is fun i love the fact that they use the they them pronouns um whoa i was gonna show you guys the video and it just you know i forgot my volume was on it was fine. <laughs> um I don't know. I think it's I, I think it's fun. I don't have any problem with all of the darts. Um, I don't know. I've been hit in the face with too many Nerf darts to be offended by it, I guess. Um, I'm going to go thumbs up. So, okay. All right. I'm watching this video now, and I didn't realize like they made an actual costume out of it. Yes. Um, out of them, I guess. Um, I'm still, you know what? I almost like that even better. I'm still giving this a thumbs up. It's weird. It's unconventional. 
Um, I think it looks fun. Yeah. It looks like a textured nightmare. It, I mean, it's just Nerf darts. That's the thing. It's like, a, yeah, I, but all together like that, it just looks. I, I can't do. I, can't, I don't know. I, can't do it. I don't have the. I don't have a problem with the yeah. texture of Nerf darts. I guess. I don't have a problem with the texture of Nerf darts. I have a problem with the way that that they all look together to combine to make that suit. Does it squeak? Problem. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! I have goosebumps. Stop talking about it. <laughs> By our powers combined, <laughs> we are Murph. Oh. <laughs> so, before Tabitha shoots us with a Murph gun, um, <laughs> IDW has announced a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle miniseries launching in September. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Saturday Morning Adventures will be a four-issue miniseries by Eric Burnham and Tim Laddie with, uh, that features all new stories in the feel of the classic 80s cartoon. Thumbs up. Give this to me yesterday. Absolutely. Tabitha. Yeah, this sounds like a lot of fun. The only thing I'm a little bit sad about is that it's not actually a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, I know. But, but sorry, thumbs up. <laughs> Matt. Yeah, the Saturday morning cartoon is the only thing that would make this, make this better. Definitely thumbs up. Sticking with comics, uh, Titan Comics has received the comics rights to Conan the Barbarian, as well as other creations from fantasy author uh, Robert E. Howard. Marvel Comics previously held the rights to the character. The comics publisher entered into a co-publishing venture with Heroic Signature, an intellectual property house that owns the rights. Uh, Titan plans to release a line of original comics based on Howard's characters, starting with Conan the Barbarian in May 2023. Um, also giving this a thumbs up. Uh, way to go, Titan, to get something from Marvel. That's <laughs> okay. unheard of. Yeah. Go you, Tabitha. I want to know what that negotiation looked like. Um, I don't really have a horse in this game. Conan the Barbarian doesn't really mean anything for me. So Mitch is happy. So thumbs up. Now, to be fair, like, Conan the Barbarian doesn't mean a whole lot to me either, but, like, you know. Right, but you're excited. Yeah, sure. I never give you one because you're just happy about something. <laughs> That's so. fair. That's fair. I Thank figured you. it was time. Thank you. Matt. Um, yeah, as much as I have never read a Conan comic book, watched a movie, whatever, um, I have read a few Titan comics, and they seem to do justice um, to the properties that they have. And I think, again, that they were able to get something from Marvel is also a thumbs up. Um, Cause you know, Marvel's just collecting things at this point. So um, yeah, thumbs up. Um, we have a couple of wonder woman stories to talk about the first one. Um, so heritage auctions held a comics and comic art signature auction recently, a copy of all-star comics. Number eight that had a CGC NM rating of 9.4 and it features the first appearance of wonder woman sold for 1.62 million dollars wow uh the top selling item at the auction was the frank miller and lynn varley cover to the dark knight returns number one which sold for 2.4 million um yeah thumbs up uh even though you know wonder woman actually doesn't get any of this money but still get yours wonder woman tabitha that's an incredible sum of money for an item. I can't, I can't, it, it, like it makes my brain twitch. Um, <laughs> thumbs up though, because things are worth that still. I don't know. Capitalism. Matt. <laughs> um, I, I just think that it's great that in a comics industry, which is so dominated by male superheroes, that Wonder Woman's first appearance pulls in such a highly touted amount for that comic. Um, so just thumbs up for that. Matt, you also have a Wonder Woman story, um, but it's a little bit different. <laughs> I do. Um, this is very short, very simple, and really very sweet. Um, so Linda Carter responded to fans on Twitter who um, basically kind of attacked her for posting thirst traps on her Twitter account. Um, and her reply is very simple. I'm not posting thirst traps. I invented them. Ha. And then she posted a picture of her rising out of a pool of water taken somewhere around 1985. Thumbs up, Linda Carter. You win. 
You broke out that lasso of truth, Linda Carter. Thumbs up. <laughs> Tabitha. Yeah. Giant thumbs up. <laughs> Giant thumbs up for this. My microphone fell on my face. <laughs> Everything is fine. <laughs> um, Matt, you also have our last story of the night. And this is also uh, somewhat of a local story. Um what do the University of Illinois do? So the University of Illinois, uh, their bookstore in particular, was trying to be very inclusive. And we'll give them points for that effort. Um, so what they did was they took the phrase, Hail to the Orange, which is kind of the theme on campus, and translated it into several different languages. German, Polish, French, Spanish, Swahili. Um, and then they printed it on t-shirts to sell at the school bookstore. Um, the only problem is that some of the translations, in particular the Spanish, were a little rough around the edges. Um, the literal translation for the Spanish t-shirt said, throwing icy precipitation at the citrus fruit. Um, <laughs> we've officially killed Mitch. He's dead. <laughs> At least he got to go through puberty first. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, that was a slow burn. Yeah. But, like, once I got there. Yeah, you're welcome. Oh my God. <laughs> So there were some other errors in the translation. None of them quite as good as the Spanish error. Um, like the, the Hindi translation, which is a very, a very phonetic language, um, basically said to pronounce the S in Illinois. Um, the German translation did Heil der Orange, which draws some concerning comparisons to the Third Reich. Um, among... Some other translation issues. Um, the uh, Melissa Bowles, who is the head of the Department of Spanish and Portuguese, basically said that uh, Viva la Viva el Naranja would have come closer to what the university was aiming for um, instead of what they chose. Um, the bookstore apologized via Twitter, quote, in our excitement and haste to be able to offer these unique shirts to our customers, we didn't do our due diligence, due diligence in verifying the translations that were provided. We will learn from this mistake and work to do better in the future. I'm sorry. You work. Th the bookstore is on a university campus. An international, an international university campus where you have departments devoted to each of these languages. Why would you use Google Translator and then put it on a shirt instead of going to the department head or even an associate professor or a freaking TA <laughs> and get the translation before putting it on a shirt? You guys, if I was a student at U of I, I'd be milking this for all it's worth. The second a paper came back and like they were like, this is wrong, I'd be like, well... <laughs> Let me tell you a story. <laughs> like, I didn't do my due diligence. I am sure that they've pulled all the shirts and everything, and it's like next to impossible. But I can't tell you how much money I would pay for a throw icicles <laughs> at a citrus fruit or whatever that was uh, to have that on a shirt. Like, oh my god! Yeah, I would. I'm so broke right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd be even more broke if this opportunity came. I just I I I I cannot wrap my head around how they would just not go to the departments for something like this. It just people that think translations into other languages are literal crack me up. Like you can't just put in the words and like be like, "What is the word hail in this language?" and just use it for well, it. like that's not how any language except unfortunately english work so we have a very literal language most languages are not literal languages well that was the thing is like that professor melissa bowles she basically said the same thing saying that the, the errors in translation were akin to like basically first year students that used an online translator the, the, those were the type of errors that were showing up on these shirts 
It feels very like first year high school foreign language, like <laughs> Ue la biblioteca. <laughs> like, like, Donde el baño. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, this was probably, you know, like student workers who, you know, just did what they were told. And, like, yeah, like the boss, you know, the, the, the bookshop owner or whatever didn't. <laughs> didn't check the work they were just like okay good job sally or <laughs> steve or I don't, I don't know i hope sally are, and steve got fired what, what are kids <laughs> names these days i don't know sally and steve sound accurate okay yeah. i don't know i don't know too many 19 year olds named sally and everybody's named aiden so or yeah, some yeah. some yeah. rhyme of that yeah aiden and kaylee <laughs> But Kaylee is spelled with like K A E L E E A H I G H. Stupid Kaylee. I hate it here. <laughs> All right. Well, before we make fun of other people's names, um, you can make fun of ours online. Yeah. Man, it stays like this that I wish that we had this recorded already. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Geek Away. Do you want me to do it? You, sure. Do you have it written down somewhere? Sure don't. Okay. So I'll just do it. It's do you okay. want me to wing it? It's okay. I'll wing it for you. Go go ahead. Don't wing it for me. Wing it for Murph. I'm not winging anything for Murph. It's a winging Murph. 500 yards that way. Uh. that'll do it for this episode of the geek awakens if you have questions comments or concerns please send us an email at the geek awakens at gmail.com if you have anything to add to this week's podcast please the, hit the, us up on the, the geek awakens podcast at gmail. oh my god whatever <laughs> do right. yourself I, then Mitch. at this point nobody's listening anyway. so continue on tabitha find us on social media or whatever i don't know Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. bye.